This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. everybody and welcome to the proton pack podcast i'm chris and with me always is the godzilla to my kong mr tony sanfilippo tony how you doing today doing good man it's it's been a while i mean it's, it's been a while i think it's been about a month right it really has this has been a it's been a while since we've done the proton pack but um we will get to it in shameless plugs, but we've been we've been quite busy. Very, I think in- yeah, exactly. Busy trying to coordinate timing. Um, you know, we're we're doing this in the morning, late morning of on a Wednesday when we would normally do it on a Sunday before. But uh, regardless, we are here. We are for here for you guys. Talk about geeky, nerdy pop culture, comic book, all the fun stuff that you know and love from the Proton Pack podcast, Tony. Why don't we go ahead and get into it and just go straight into our shameless plugs. Shameless plug time. It's shameless plug time. But if any fills that Juan Valdez and his trusty goat gather coffee beans every morning. Money is cool. Money is cool. always cool, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, the first shameless plug is my dog rescue nonprofit, Rough Riders. Over at roughwriters.org. That's R U F F writers.org. It is local 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to the transport of dogs from the rural kill shelters, for lack of a better term, into the metro area here where we work with uh, local shelters, local rescue organizations, find them homes, give them a second chance at life. As I mentioned, you can go over to roughwriters.org or Facebook at facebook.com forward slash roughwriterssaves. Quick and easy, short and painless. Tony, you do something with our good buddy, Jimmy Jones, called Pop Culture Kaboom. Why don't you tell us about that? I do. I do a little Sunday segment. It's now, it's like a 40-minute entertainment segment where we cover horrible movie trailers. Um, not so horrible sometimes. Um, we do our little synopsis takes on them and uh, let you guys know if uh, you should see these or not. Uh, mostly the time they are touch browns and bad movies, but we cover that. Um, and then I do, we discuss, right now we're discussing WandaVision. We were discussing Mandalorian after. But that's what I do with them. But Jimmy Jones puts on a fantastic pop culture show. You can listen to it on KNVC, uh, Carson City Community Radio, if you're local, 95.1 FM. Um, if you're listening from Nebraska or wherever, uh, that would be knvc.org. And that's Pop Culture Kaboom Sundays uh, from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. It is now a three-hour show. Everything you want, everything you need, everything in pop culture, as Jimmy says, 
You can find it with Pop Culture Kaboom. Again, knvc.org, 95.1 FM, Carson City Community Radio. KNVC. KNVC. And then finally, in shameless plugs, Tony and I do a show daily every morning from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Phoenix Media called the Christian Phoenix Radio Show. It is a morning drive time comedy variety show we talk different topics we've got different daily segments we've got call in interactive portion of the show and uh, you know it is just a good time every day for two hours but it does take up a lot of our time and obviously uh, that's the reason that uh, you haven't seen us here on the proton pack in a little while but regardless you know we are making an effort to make this again a regular thing for our pop culture nerdy geeky fans where we only just touch on that a little bit with the christian phoenix radio show yeah, you guys should be getting a Proton Pack. We'd say this all the time. I think it's been a long time since we said we'd update the sound intros and stuff. But realistically, between having uh, you know your full-time gig with Phoenix Media um, and other endeavors and still trying to be a, a great fiancé and, and have personal and family time... I work a full-time gig with Costco and do the morning show. I do Jimmy's show. So it is hard to squeeze these in. Um, but we have found, and we've found some free time to help out our buddy Tim Nidell as well with uh, Be Kind Rewind and being on Be Kind Rewind Trivia. That's been a lot of fun. Uh, so where I'm going with this is hopefully every other Sunday night, we'll record these on a Monday and air them on a sunday evening or something so you guys get these or whenever we decide to put them out so, exactly yeah uh, yeah but, we but should be more updated so bear with us this episode some of the articles might be a little dated just by a week or so not too bad but it's still within the realm and, and time frame of what's going on in entertainment and pop culture exactly and just know that uh we're we're gonna re-up our dedication to you guys the listeners and watchers of this show so that way we've got something regular coming out for you uh we'll make the time to put it together even if it's a short show you know sometimes there's not a lot of news but uh, we like to cover what there is out there absolutely and this is a shout out to adam at work he's uh, he hit me up the other day he said tony come on man where's your uh I'm almost all caught up with Proton Pack. Win, win some new ones. Well, Adam, <laughs> there you go. If you're listening, I'm giving you a shout out, buddy. I'm giving you a shout out on the show. There you go. It's well, a new one for you. With the shameless plugs out of the way, let's go ahead and kick off the show the way we do each and every episode with a little TV news. Tony, go ahead and hit that intro. Bazinga. Oh! The cream of the crop. Oh! Let's go, Bob. Excellent. Hail to the king, baby. Boom shakalaka. So in the last episode, we talked a little bit, actually, the entire episode was dedicated to the Marvel series that are coming to Disney Plus and what's coming out in the movie theaters, but mostly Disney Plus uh, TV. You know, we're well into WandaVision at this point. We're almost to the midway point, in fact absolutely love it and we can expect new things coming out from disney plus uh, as we go along we did want to touch however on the star wars television series that are coming out for disney plus uh specifically here in 2020 obviously there's more going uh sorry here in 2021 i forgot what year we were in uh but there yeah. will be more well, last time beyond. we did one was 2020 so I know. It, it, 
in all fairness, you you have the okay to make a boo boo there. Exactly. It's been a while. So, uh, you know, Disney dumped a whole bunch of news on Star Wars properties that are coming. Uh, but uh, the first one that we're going to see here in 2021 is Star Wars The Bad Batch. Most likely, Star Wars The Bad Batch will be the first of these to materialize. This animation follow-up to Star Wars The Clone Wars is set shortly after the events of Episode 3. It follows the titular team of elite clone troopers as they seek out a new destiny following the end of the war and the rise of the Empire. We don't know much else about the plot yet, though the first teaser trailer confirms the team will run into future Grand Moff Tarkin during the course of the series. It also remains to be seen if The Bad Batch is a limited series or if Lucasfilm is producing multiple seasons. Uh, if you watched the final season of The Clone Wars that they re-released for uh, Netflix, you will have already been introduced to The Bad Batch, and this is sort of just a continuation of that. Looks great. I love the Clone Wars. Uh, I know you did too, Tone. Yeah, it was fantastic. I definitely did not hate it. <laughs> so, and it, well, and that that's where the soundbite was supposed to pop in. It's delayed. It's delayed. Always taking the high ground, Tone. All right, uh, another project that I wasn't I familiar with. The high <laughs> Star Wars Visions, the other big animated Star Wars project for 2021 is Star Wars Visions. This series features 10 short episodes allowing various Japanese anime directors an opportunity to play in the Star Wars sandbox. I get the sense that this won't be canon. This will be more like uh, just sort of one-offs of uh, different people uh, doing their art form of Star Wars characters. Yeah, it should be interesting. Um, I'd like to see uh, when they get a trailer going, uh, if it intrigues me. I know if it's Star Wars, I'd definitely watch it for sure. Yeah, I'm not big definitely. on the anime styles. You know, we've talked about it before with some of the uh, video game projects coming to Netflix. But uh, yeah, at least it's worth a check out. And then finally coming in... Japanimation Sith War. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in 2021, The Book of Boba Fett. On the live action front, there's good news and bad news. We probably won't be getting a third season of The Mandalorian in 2021. However, we are getting the first Mandalorian spinoff in the form of The Book of Boba Fett, which features Boba and his new right-hand woman, Fennec Shand, as they take control of the late Jabba's criminal empire. Uh, they expect that to debut in December. And of course, we got a little tease of that at the very end, uh, basically the post-credit scene of uh, the last episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah, I think this one is going to be a good show. I think this one will be really good because it's, it's not... Uh, Favreau is not doing these ones, right? He's not running I, those. I don't I think, think he, he is. Might produce but he's not the main guy yeah he's going to be an executive producer he's, he's all focused on mandalorian as he should i wouldn't be surprised if dave filoni doesn't uh um show run that series yeah no i think it'll be good i think it would be a good run for a limited series yeah you having some trouble with the soundboard yeah, over there I, tone <laughs> I, i'm excited for it nonetheless yeah soundboard ain't and what's weird is I have new material, but it's also hard to navigate two different computers for soundboards. So. <laughs> it's funny. I, I look just over. fired it up on one. Oh, you know why I can't fire it up on the one is because I use the headphones to listen and you can't do it. So. It makes sense. <laughs> and things are not organized on this soundboard. So you got to scroll over and look to try to find. I was looking for 
I like those odds. But they're not all together. All the Star Wars stuff is scattered. Gotcha. Well, we're going to move away from Star Wars now, back into the Marvel side of Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Continuing with uh, Disney Plus TV shows, uh, Marvel's Kevin Feige has revealed the length and episode count of the upcoming She-Hulk series on Disney Plus. In an interview with IGN, Feige confirmed Marvel's She-Hulk will consist of 10 half-hour episodes. That puts She-Hulk above fellow Marvel series like uh, WandaVision, which is nine episodes, and The Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is only six episodes. However, Feige told IGN most of these MCU series are designed to clock in around the six-hour mark in total length, and the material dictates the exact format of and the episode count. It's about six hours of content, said Feige. Sometimes that'll be six episodes. Sometimes that'll be nine episodes in the case of WandaVision. Sometimes that'll be 10 episodes. You basically have 10 half-hour episodes, which is what She-Hulk will be. Feige noted one of the main benefits of Disney Plus is that things like syndicated reruns and commercial breaks aren't a factor, allowing teams to focus on telling the best possible stories. Uh, obviously, Marvel She-Hulk stars Orphan Black's Tatiana Maslany as Jennifer Walters, the lawyer who gains incredible strength after receiving a blood transfusion from her cousin Bruce Banner. And of course, we're probably going to see Mark Ruffalo in some sort of uh, uh, role in there. And it looks like, um, boy, I think they're aiming for December, though it doesn't say exactly when we can expect She-Hulk. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's a character that we haven't seen yet in the MCU on the big screen, but we are going to see her on the little screen. Yeah, I think with already having WandaVision four episodes in as of this recording, um, I think this bodes well. I'm already hooked on the Marvel. It seems like they've got a good flow following the Star Wars uh, fantastic Mandalorian series. So, yeah, bring me more Marvel. I, I'm a little shocked to hear that uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon is only six episodes, but that must mean that they're going to be almost an hour-long episode because... Exactly. Um, so the way you're going to get that. So yep. you're pretty much getting two episodes a week in one length thing. So. Yeah. Uh, now, speaking of more Marvel on Disney Plus, this is obviously something they didn't talk about in their big Disney Plus dump a few weeks back uh, or even a month ago at that point when we actually did a previous show. But uh, Marvel's Black Panther is getting a Kingdom of Wakanda tie-in series on Disney Plus. Black Panther and Black Panther 2 director Ryan Coogler is attached to the Wakanda series as part of the five-year deal between his proximity media company and Disney. Coogler has released a statement saying, in part, that it's an honor to be partnering with the Walt Disney Company. Working with them on Black Panther was a dream come true. As avid consumers of television, we couldn't be happier to be launching our television business with Bob Iger, Dana Walden, and all the amazing studios under the Disney umbrella. In his continuing statement, Ryan Coogler teased Marvel's Black Panther fans with what's to come. We look forward to learning, growing, and building a relationship with audiences all over the world through the Disney platforms. We're especially excited that we will be taking our first leap with Kevin Feige, Louis Desposito, Victoria Alonso, and their partners at Marvel Studios, where we'll be working closely with them on select MCU shows for Disney+. We're already in the mix on some projects that we can't wait to share. Now, uh, there's not much information about uh, what World of Wakanda will, um, uh, no, sorry, Kingdom of Wakanda will be about, who it will involve. Uh, my guess is it will be sort of the 
supporting players of the Black Panther franchise, especially since we lost Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther, and may even introduce who is going to take up the mantle. Uh, Tony, is this one that you're excited about? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, before Black Panther came out, I wasn't 100% sure. I didn't really know the backstory or anything. But they did a fantastic job with that movie. It was entertaining. It was great. You like Shuri. She's she's fantastic. I'd almost think that she's going to take up the mantle as that gives, you know, young females or even older females a, a superhero they could uh, root for if they don't like the males necessarily. You always got to love the, the diversity and uh, the mix of everybody. So, um, yeah, I look forward to it. I'll, if with uh, based on Coogler being involved and it'll have the same feel and flow of the movie. So, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, honestly, next to Chadwick Boseman and, of course, uh, Michael B. Jordan's character in Black Panther, Shuri's character was by far the next best. She was funny, action-packed. I, I think she'd be great to take up that mantle. I mean, it's too bad, like, they, like uh, maybe they could find a way to bring back uh, Michael B. Jordan. Maybe this is, like, an earlier telling. I, I don't know, because he did great in his role, man. He was such a wicked villain in that movie. Yeah, so good. Not the last we'll see of him. And, of course, you know, uh, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, but uh, Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness has the possibility of bringing some of these characters back, potentially. So, uh, except except uh, Black Panther. Exactly, can't, unfortunately. Can't bring him back. <laughs> well, folks, that does it for the TV news. Let's go ahead and roll into movies. But before we get to the movie news, let's talk box office report for last weekend here you go tone I, i've got this one ready i was slipping on my soundboard duties i was focusing and then i was like oh that's the cue to hit my uh, that same sound button i have the movie one ready because uh, i have at least the proton packs they're all lumped together, so that's easy for that job. But I didn't have that one ready, so thanks, Sorry. Christian, for having that. Tony can go a little squirrel sometimes when it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm exhausted too. So <laughs> I'm not exactly the most mentally uh, in everything. I'm given all my energy I've got. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we are talking box office report for the previous weekend. Obviously, uh, depending on when this show is published, you know, you might be looking a little less than a week prior, but uh, there's not a whole lot to report. With the number one spot going to The Little Things, starring Denzel Washington. Ah, The Little Things. Yowie, wowie. Also has uh, Rami Malik and Jared Leto brought in a whopping $4.8 million. Not a whole 4. lot. $4.8 million. <laughs> That's a hell of a haul, bud. <laughs> but at the same time, they did release it on HBO Max as well, same day. So uh, if you are an HBO Max subscriber, you can watch it from the comfort of your home. And it's not really one of those blockbuster type movies that people go to the theaters to see, but it was enough to take that, number one. Yeah, I would definitely watch it at home. I, I mean, I would support, I want to support movies in theaters, but this one definitely was more of a, I'd, I'd watch it from home kind of thriller. Exactly. Uh, number two at the box office was The Crude's A New Age. I'm still I'm surprised it's still in the theaters. It brought in another $1.84 million, bringing its total to 43.9. Doing pretty good for itself. Yeah, it's been rolling since Thanksgiving. So yeah. it's, it's definitely still trugging along. <laughs> Wonder Woman 1984 was in third spot with $1.3 bringing its domestic total to 39.2. 
two million. I know worldwide it's made much more than that. Hopefully, made its money back, uh, considering how terrible of a movie it actually was. Yeah, and we didn't cover it on this show, but that movie <laughs> awful. Terrible. It was one of the worst sequels. It just lackluster. Right. And we loved the first one. Just not yeah. fans of the second. In fourth, no, and it scares me. I'm worried about the uh, Rogue Squadron movie now. I'm a little bit too. Uh, in fourth place was Taken 37. I mean, The Marksman, uh, <laughs> starring Liam Neeson. It uh, brought in 1.25 million for a domestic total of 7.8 million. Not a huge haul, but uh, you know, enough for number four. Oh, okay. In fifth place was Monster Hunter, brought in $740,000 for a total of $11.1 million. If you enjoyed the Resident Evil movies, go check it out. If you didn't, don't watch it. Um, it was yeah, somewhat entertaining. You didn't like it, huh? It was okay. It was. It was it's on demand uh, here in a couple of weeks, and then it's on Blu-ray next month. So yeah. you can check it out at home very soon. Yeah, it was. it was perfectly okay. And then rounding out the top 10, I'm going to run down these last five real quick. We had News of the World with 540,000, Promising Young Women with 260,000, Fatale with 220,000, The War with Grandpa with 147,000, and Our Friend with 135,000. Um, half those movies I'm not even familiar with, so uh, it's hard to speak to them, and I'm shocked that The War with Grandpa is still making money. Oh, that thing the most probably the most uh profitable movie in the entire pandemic right right like that movie sat on the shelf uh was done in 2017 or 18 sat on a shelf no distribution somebody's like and eh, we need something just yep. put it out uh, the studio timed that right for sure yeah so good on them because that thing would never have made it especially robert de niro in a kid movie no <laughs> and christopher <laughs> Christopher Walken, and they both play characters of themselves at this point. It's not entertaining to watch. So, uh, but I didn't know, know Walken was in there. He is, unfortunately. Wow. <laughs> wow, Christian. Man, that was a bad Walken. All right, Tony, get that button ready because it is time okay, to go into ready. the movie news. Movies. Are you the key master? Wrap it up, fuzzball. <laughs> Oh, we kicked it down. This baby hits 88 miles per hour. We're gonna see some serious shit. Yeah, we are. Great Scott! I said shit on the proton pack! <laughs> Speaking of seeing some serious shit, our trailer of the week this week is something we referenced in the opening of the show. Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, you know, we're slowly starting to get trailers for the big blockbusters coming out, especially those that are going to appear on HBO Max. And this is the first of them. Of course, it is the follow-up to Godzilla King of Monsters and Kong Skull Island. And of course, pits the two big, bad, uh, uh, what would you call them, uh, uh, kaiju Monsters? kaiju yeah. against each other uh brings back millie bobby brown from uh godzilla king of monsters uh you... her prerogative <laughs> alexander skarsgård who uh is one of the skarsgård acting brothers playing randall flag in the stand right now uh rebecca Penny hall Wise's brother exactly who's a great actress <laughs> and uh you know godzilla sort of serving as the antagonist 
Kong as the protagonist. And it looks like a sort of a fun blockbuster, popcorn eating, beat em up, big budget, big sound, big explosion movie that, uh, you know, we'll post this on our Facebook page, but uh, let us know what you guys think. Are you looking forward to it? Are you sick of the Kaiju? Uh, personally, I'm looking forward to it. What about you, Tone? Yeah, absolutely. I was telling you right before we did the show that I need to go back and watch the second Godzilla because I haven't seen it since the Elizabeth Olsen and Aaron Johnson one, uh, which I think was the first of it, right? Like that led into the second. Exactly. Those are all tied together. Yeah. It does not have to do with the Godzilla Matthew Broderick one from nineteen. Yeah, I didn't think it had terrible. that one with P. Diddy doing a butcher job on a Zeppelin classic. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely so uh, doesn't tie to that. And then I got to see Kong Skull Island. See, I was so confused because I, I now get it because Universal owns King Kong, but they don't necessarily own the Kong name, so they can call it exactly. Now, get away with doing the Kong. Have so. you seen Kong Skull Island at all? No. Oh, it's entertaining as hell. In fact, we just yeah. watched it's it. It's got Samuel L. Jackson, right? Yeah, it's got uh, and... Nick Fury, Loki, and Captain Marvel in it. Oh. Yeah. I and one of the Nova Corps. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely going to check it out because I want to get all caught up and be ready for it. Um, talk to a few super fans, uh, a.k.a. Jimmy from the show, and he's pumped. Like, uh, he's going to rent out uh, a theater in Carson City, and they're going to do a showing. So Very cool. We've got the invite for it. He's like, can you get it off? And I'm like, I will try. I'll be there. Um, yeah, and... Kong Skull Island is on HBO Max right now, so is Godzilla King of Monsters. And of course, this is going to drop on HBO Max as well. Uh, though in this article, it doesn't say the release date, though I think they're shooting for March, if I'm not it's mistaken. It's the second week in March. I think it's March 11th Okay, is yeah. when it comes out. That works. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, March 12th, is, is, it's coming out. Oh, how dare you be off by one day? Yeah, by one you. day, March 12th. <laughs> All right, let's move on with a uh, more movie news. Unfortunately, um, it has been pushed back again. It is the namesake of our show. We're talking Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, this point, they moved it back to November. What, Thanksgiving weekend? Yeah, it's now coming out. Um, I think that's November 11th it's coming out. Okay. It was originally supposed to be June 11th. Well, not originally, but the last date was June 11th before it got pushed back. Yeah, so we got to wait till November now, unfortunately. But while we wait, fans are finally getting a look at one of the ghosts. The new crew will be, what else, busting. With COVID-19 pushing numerous movies and shows back to later dates, the first serious look at this new ghost comes from an episode of MasterChef Junior Spain, of all things. That's so weird. Right? First spotted by Ghostbusters News, the Spanish cooking show debuted a set featuring a large ghost known as Muncher hanging out near the iconic Ghostbusters Ectomobile, uh, or also known as Ecto-1. Muncher has six arms and legs, blue skin, and numerous wrinkles, which quite frankly makes him look like a stunt double for the caterpillar from Alice in Wonderland. Ghostbusters fans will notice the obvious similarity to the original Ghostbusters Slimer Ghost, who I expect we'll probably see in this. Technically, fans have already seen Muncher very, very briefly in the one and only Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer that was released last year. Uh, Tony, what do you think of Muncher? Do you think he's going to be fun along the same lines as Slimer? Yeah, I think he's going to freak him out, but it, it fits the mold of what the Ghostbuster ghosts look like. Like, well, 
you know, like a mix of the Scolari brothers, you know how they were right. all over the top and blobby. Like he's definitely looks like the caterpillar from uh Alice in Wonderland. And I went back and watched the trailer and you do kind of see a blue blur like they're in the school bus and it comes shooting by and it's blowing the windows out. Okay. Um in the trailer and I think that's him. That's the only place I could I spotted anything blue. Well, the good so. the good news is they're going back to the look and feel of the original ghosts as opposed yeah. to the terrible remake, which the ghosts look like the ghosts from uh, the Scooby Doo live Scooby action Doo. ones. They're like Scooby, there's like so many ghosts here. <laughs> Rudro Ruggy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and unfortunately, we got to wait till November yeah. to see it. But from what we've heard, though, Jason Reitman shared it. Uh, they. They screened it for his dad and a couple executives at Sony, and his dad cried and was very proud because it definitely, definitely has the feel. So that's great for us Ghostbuster fans because, you know, as much as we were hoping that the woman reboot one was going to have that feel because it's Ghostbusters, it ended up just being one of those crap-ass reboots that nobody asked for. Exactly. Fell flat, but uh, I have... I think this is going to be like a good reboot, if anything, because it's... It's in the time frame. It's in the story. Yeah. It's going to be a, a continuation true passing of the baton. I'm looking forward yep. to it. Unfortunately, have to wait till November. You know what never falls flat, though, Tony? The What's MCU. So, oh, never. Always delivers. Oh, yeah. So the Avengers will return eventually after Avengers Endgame hit theaters and snatched up any and all box office records in its path Marvel Studios has essentially retired the brand for the next few years at least after all phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe arrives this week and kickstarts a year consisting of 10 Marvel movies and shows each one diving into new character or group we've yet to really explore at length of course I mentioned this week a few weeks ago, they're talking WandaVision. <laughs> Fear right. not, how I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> Fear not, however, because Marvel Studios' Kevin Feige says the Avengers will return sometime. They've got to. Speaking with IGN on the press tour for WandaVision, Feige said it's his belief the franchise will return sooner or later. I would have to think so. I would have to say yes at some point. Of what we know regarding the slate propped up for this year and next, even heading into 2023, an Avengers movie has yet to be unveiled. In fact, it's likely Phase 4 will be the first batch of films from Marvel Studios that won't include at least one Avengers movie. Tony, I don't know about you, but my hope is that the Avengers will return in some form of the Avengers versus X-Men storyline that appeared in the comics, because we know the X-Men are coming. We know that the uh, Avengers are on board for some sort of new film. Don't know what that team's going to look like, but uh, that would be my hope to see the next iteration of the Avengers. That's what I'm excited for. You have to take the time to rebuild it up now because you don't have Chris Evans. You don't have uh, Robert Downey Jr. anymore, and those were two key ones. You know, Right. You probably so won't you have, you have to... uh, Chris Hemsworth no. much longer. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. He's It's all passing of the torch because we know Natalie Portman's going to take up the new Thor mantle and stuff. And that's okay. That's how these evolve in the comic books. Not, you know, it just continues the storylines. And it's not that they can't make one-offs or appearances. I'm still sure you're going to get references of Tony Stark for the rest of the series. And, uh, you know, Captain America, I'm sure you're going to get a lot of stuff referenced to him. Um, well, there I think was... Captain, uh, I think Winter Soldier and Falcon will... 
end up seeing who takes the mantle at the end. Will it be Bucky or will it be Sam? We'll, <laughs> we'll, have, to, we'll have to find out who's actually going to take up that uh, the mantle because they both did in the comics. So. Well, and I don't know if you've been following it, Tony, but there was some pre-release toy news that came out about uh, who might just be taking up that mantle, including the costume that they'll wear. I won't spoil it for you guys if you want to be surprised, but yeah. uh, if you do a little digging, you can probably find it. Yeah, so and I think that's going to be great. Um, I would love to see the Avengers come back, and uh, I'd like to see, like you said, the Avengers uh, X-Men storyline, and it is a shame. You're not going to get <clears throat> Robert Downey Jr.'s not going to meet Reed Richards and all that with the Fantastic Four. Exactly. Um, would have been really cool to do, but, you know, it's... It, in the world of uh, Hollywood, never say never. Money talks. People could come back at some point. Mm -hmm. And plus, it's always nice to tell you no one's coming back, and then they surprise you. Um, <laughs> well, even all of the Mandalorian. Did you ever expect to see Luke Skywalker go in there and kick some ass? No way. And then uh, even the Twitterverse exploded recently with news that Chris Evans may return as Captain America in some form, uh, which he denied. But of course, that's what he's. <laughs> kind of yeah. required to do well so. <laughs> don't they always do and then something gets spoiled i don't know what you're talking about i don't know right you know <laughs> i know uh tom holland's the king of spoiling stuff and i love tom holland that dude is awesome <laughs> well we were talking chris hemsworth a little bit ago and uh you know thor love and thunder is fast developing into a sizable affair cast wise apart from featuring the returning cast from previous thor movies the film will also have chris pratt as peter quill star lord and now uh, published photos of two other Guardians of the Galaxy actors arriving on Australia uh, have begun shooting. In the photos, we see Chris Pratt being joined by Karen Gillan, who plays Nebula, and Dave Bautista, who plays uh, Drax. And in this, they put draw. That's a typo. Sean Gunn, who provides the motion draw. capture for Rocket and portrays Kraglin, also said to be part of the Guardians entourage. We also know that Palm Clementif, who plays Mantis, will feature in Love and Thunder. It is still not clear whether the Guardians will be playing a major role in the events of the film or they will have minor roles in the main narrative that focuses on Thor. We've joked before that this is essentially going to be as Guardians of the Galaxy. And then I don't know if you've seen the latest set photos tone, but uh, there's a picture of uh, Chris Hemsworth with Chris Pratt uh, in full costume. And it looks like uh, 80s hairband uh, revival. Yeah, it looks awesome. I was just going to say, man, there's people leaking stuff left and right. But it's also, you know, it's fans. They see where it's set up and they're going to take pictures and post it. And, you know, we're going to cover these types of things. But, yeah, I like what it's going. And you got Taika Waititi behind the, uh, uh, behind the helm or behind the. the In the directing chair. chair. Yeah. 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 He's calling the shots. And, uh, and James Gunn even came out and said, you know. He oversaw some of the Guardian. He's going to oversee some of the Guardian stuff, but said Taika has definitely got it nailed down. So well, and even um, even fired from Marvel, Taika Waititi was in talks to pick up the Guardians of the Galaxy because they've got sort of sort of similar um, sensibilities and humor. But uh, it's nice to see that they'll be working together. I'm looking forward to this. I think it'll probably be the funniest movie in the MCU. By far. I do too. I think it'll top Ragnarok, and Ragnarok was fantastic. Oh, so good, it was so good. That was like the bet. Like if we ever cover on our other show, uh, the Phoenix uh, Radio Show, uh, like when we get to best sequels, because we covered horrible sequels today. Ragnarok by far was the best of 
all the Thors. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think we can uh, maybe arrange for something along those lines. Uh, sticking with the MCU and uh, moving on to a couple other projects that are uh, being worked on right now. Disney provided new details on Marvel's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness during an investor's call a little while ago. The sequel to the 2016 superhero and sorcery film is directed by Spider-Man Sam Raimi, the original Spider-Man. It sees Benedict Cumberbatch, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Rachel McAdams, and Benedict Wong all reprising their respective MCU roles. The sequel will see the Sorcerer Supreme team up with his Avengers Infinity War and Endgame teammate Scarlet Witch, once again played by Elizabeth Olsen, as he encounters the horrors and perils of the multiverse. Marvel Studios boss Kevin Feige was on hand to confirm that the film will debut on March 25th, 2022. He also said that the film ties into not just the Disney Plus series WandaVision, but also Spider-Man 3. Olsen is in London, uh, currently filming Multiverse of Madness, and joining the production is Xochitl Gomez as America Chavez, who had previously been rumored. Um, you know, obviously, if you're watching WandaVision right now, um, you know, there are some weird aspects to it, some almost Twilight Zone aspects that uh, you know tie into Multiverse of Madness. And then with everything we've heard about uh, Spider-Man 3, or you know, the follow-up to Far From Home, it's going to be sort of a Spider-Verse. We're going to see previous incarnations of Peter Parker, Spider-Man, the villains, uh, things along those lines. I'm excited for this whole multiverse storyline all wrapped oh, up man. together. Uh, I get you. It's because it's cold in here, but I got goosebumps, you know, just thinking <laughs> about it. But it's also pretty chilly in here. Um, but uh, yeah, I love I love the aspects of the surprises, the people that they can bring back, the things that they're going to do, um, because they've said like this one's going to be um, like a scary, not necessarily a scary movie, but a edgier and kind of scarier version uh, for the MCU than what they're used to. Yeah, I think Sam Raimi, Evil Dead. Scary, funny, all that stuff wrapped, rolled into one. Oh, it's going to be crazy good, man. And and that's the thing. When you think about this, so many things are shot already that we haven't even got yet. Like uh, Black Widow, The Eternals. Uh, they're currently... I mean, that's the good thing. Even though the world's like shut down and dealing with stuff, it's they're still finding ways to film. Like... Uh, Thor and uh, what what uh, Spider-Man three they're filming right now as we talk uh, Doctor Strange like all these are being filmed right now so that's great this is all good stuff yeah there's not a better time to be a Marvel fan than right now no yeah. no it's just like man I'm like please don't let the world end <laughs> I want to see all this like it sounds <laughs> so good oh, it really does uh, now staying in the MCU and moving to uh, something we just talked about, Spider-Man 3. As rumors swirled around of Spider-Man 3 casting Daredevil actor Charlie Cox to reprise his role from the Netflix series, ComicBook.com has learned that the actor was indeed on the set for the Marvel Studios movie. Cox is expected to be playing Matt Murdock in the film alongside Tom Holland's Peter Parker. Though at this point it is unclear if we will see the same version of Daredevil that many fans know and love from the Defender series on Netflix, or if it's some sort of multiversal reboot, which we were just talking about. Considering the inclusion of Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange, it's possible that the cinematic universe will be making major changes to Cox's Daredevil in the future. It was first revealed knowledge of Cox being on the Spider-Man 3 set back in December, 
Further, uh, further in a report originally made uh, by Murphy's Multiverse in early December, uh, Sony did not comment. When asked to address the many rumors surrounding Spider-Man 3 and how the multiverse will come into play, Marvel Studios boss Kevin Feige would only tease the future based on a known movie title. Of course, we were talking Multiverse of Madness, but it's going to be awesome if Charlie Cox is playing Matt Murdock from the Netflix series Daredevil tying it all together and of course you know marvel now has the rights to those characters so we may see jessica jones in the future we may see luke cage in the future punisher uh iron fist eh, who cares about him but uh <laughs> <laughs> oh danny rand are you they, excited you about know i hope they bring all those back uh and move them over to like hulu or something i do too you know because uh, i don't think they'd be i think they'd be a little too risque for uh disney plus but then again, The Simpsons are kind of a little risque with some of the stuff, and they air it, so. Yeah, you know, and they they, they might tone it down a little bit, uh, make it a little less R-feeling, a little more PG-13. But, uh, you know, if they bring the characters back, I, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, Charlie Cox was a fantastic daredevil. Yeah, he was great. That show was, it was an awesome show. Oh, totally. Yes, yeah, we don't need Ben Affleck or Jennifer Garner back, though. Woof, that was that was a bad one. <laughs> and then finally, in movie news, well, you know, unfortunately, it wouldn't be 2020, 2021 without movies on the move. Well, Sony Pictures on Monday staked out an October eighth release date for Morbius, placing the Spider-Man spinoff between the star-studded Dune on October first and Bloomhouse slasher Halloween Kills on October fifteenth. The already thrice-delayed Morbius, which stars Jared Leto as the living vampire in the MCU-adjacent Sony's Universe of Marvel characters, was planned for July before abandoning 2020 entirely because of the pandemic. In March, Sony moved Morbius to spring 2021 ahead of its other Spider-Man-less spinoff, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. But Tom Hardy's anti-hero now swings into theaters first if he holds on to his June 25th, 25th release date. <clears throat> Morbius ditches a superhero-heavy march. It was due to open in theaters on the same day that Marvel Studios premieres its anticipated new series, The Falcon and Winter Soldier, on Disney+. The month also sees the release of the anticipated Zack Snyder's Justice League on Warner Media's HBO Max. Tony, how do you feel about them pushing Morbius again? Ugh, just... Morbius is not even a big main character, so it's not like it's going to be one of these big massive blockbuster draws like unless you're a comic book per you know like you know the backstory and where he ties in with spider-man it's it does that now the trailer does at least tie enough where you see spider-man in the background you know it takes place after homecoming and you do see michael keaton's uh, vulture in there so it's enough to intrigue you but i don't think the movie's big enough to be a you know what i mean it's not going to save the box office but we'll see i mean if it just gives us more to look forward to later i guess um i'm really bummed because you really aside from tv you don't have a lot coming out like i think black widow they haven't announced it yet but i'm pretty sure black widow is gonna get pushed back it probably will now other movies if that... it hasn't already and i just didn't cover it but not that i've seen but uh you know other movies other big blockbuster movies have been moved back uh, to either later this year or even next year including the james bond movie no time to die f9 the fast and furious movie that's next year we know morbius uh, a quiet place too um yeah, you know, it's sad that all of these movies, yeah, that they're all moving back. 
um, you know, just release them, put them in theaters, release them same day on demand on whatever the respective streaming service is. And let's let's move ahead. I'll go to the movies to see, you know, the big stuff like I always love when we get into April and you start getting the summer blockbuster. It's my favorite time of the year is that that first couple months stretch you're getting out of the springtime getting into summer and you're watching the big movies and the sunlight's out late you know right now we're in that cold crappy snowy yep gets dark early i hate this time of year sucks <laughs> well Hopefully things start opening up and they'll move movies back up a little bit. But folks, that yeah, does it for... We, we definitely lost on that one. Yeah. So that does it for the movie news. Before we get into the video games, I want to touch real quick on something that uh, Tony sent over. It looks pretty intriguing. River Horse Games is no stranger to bringing the worlds of Jim Henson to tabletop gaming, having released the highly successful Labyrinth and the Dark Crystal board games in 2016 and 2017, respectively. Now they're back with Labyrinth the Adventure Game, which is an RPG for two to five players that's housed inside a book that's very much like the one Sarah has in the classic 1986 film, starring David Bowie and Jennifer Connelly. The book contains a full-length adventure set inside the world of Labyrinth with over 100 scenes that feature modular elements for replayability uh, at the time of the writing it's available to order on amazon for $44.77 so if you're a big jim henson fan a david bowie fan a labyrinth fan and you like tabletop games you can get uh, that one which looks really really interesting it does look neat um you got it's always nice to get the tabletop games i know they're very popular there's a lot of places you can go and do tabletop and when you can start licensing stuff that we grew up with is pretty awesome yeah yeah um i i've gotten big into the tabletop games i i like board games and things along those lines but uh i've often said that you know we grew up in the world of magic cards dungeons and dragons was a little bit before our time but uh, it's something i could see myself getting into if there was a group of people that enjoyed it uh, here locally yeah I do, do a lot of a lot of uh, guys I used to work with at uh, my last Costco. Well, the previous one before that. Sorry, I uh, forgot there was that nightmare stint for a while. Right. But the one before <laughs> that, you know, there was a couple of guys like you would never think, but they were big into Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah, fun stuff. You know, it, it is definitely the time of geeks and nerds. Where you know, before we were just made fun of at school. Well, now we are king. Well, folks, we are going to head into our final segment now. Tony, get that button ready because now we are talking video game news. Ooh. Hey, man, you want to play some video games? Hadouken! Oh, my! Oh, my! Oh, my! Oh, my! Now, before we get into the video game news, uh, you know, I mentioned we're doing this on a Wednesday uh, it's now afternoon for Tony. He has to get ready for work mm -hmm. here shortly. How much time do we have, Tone, before you got to uh, start getting ready? We're good, man. Okay. Um, well, that's right. You're working yeah, late. A, I got a later shift today, so we're okay. Now, if it was uh, the other one, this would be the clinch in the butt cheeks and like, dude, we got to... All right. But no, we can. We're not under no time constraint. Right Perfect. Now. Well, we've got a handful of video game stories that uh, are 
downright interesting. Uh, for instance, Arcade One Up has unveiled a new slate of cabinets and titles that nostalgic gamers are sure to remember, including classics such as X-Men, Dragon's Lair, Killer Instinct, and more. The classic X-Men arcade game will feature four-player action and will also be packed with another Marvel beat-em-up classic, Captain America and the Avengers, as well as the rare fighting game, Avengers in Galactic Storm. Now, I never played that one. I don't know about you, Tone. Never played Avengers in the Galactic Storm. I don't know what that is. Don't know what the graphics look like. Um, I think after the show, I'll Google it. I always think to Google it to look, and I I don't know. But um, if it, I don't know if Konami made it. If it was a Konami fighting game, it's probably not going to be good. Right. <laughs> and then Captain America and the now, Avengers. If it was Capcom. Right. Uh, Captain America and the Avengers, another uh, yeah. beat-em-up game. That one featured the white version of Vision, which I'm hoping that they do in the series uh, WandaVision, that uh, when they officially bring him back, he's the all-white version, uh, which would be pretty cool. Now, uh, Yeah, that would be sweet. And the X-Men one, I really want, like, I really want this cabinet, man. It's just... Well, oh man, it's X Men. I'm obviously sporting X Men today. No right. tie to this, but it's uh, X Men. It's my favorite. I check every day. As soon as it's up for pre order, I'm pre ordering it. It, it. Too good to pass up. Yeah. Uh, the Killer Instinct cabinet will include both the first and second arcade games, as well as the added bonus of Battletoads Arcade. And Dragon's Lair will include both the first and second games and spiritual sequel Space Ace. Arcade One Up also announced a new line of titles. I wouldn't. I wouldn't get the Dragon's Lair one. No, they're too hard. Uh, they announced a new line of titles they're calling <laughs> Legacy Edition Arcade Cabinets, which will showcase classic games from Capcom, Atari, and Bandai. These cabinets are replicas from the original arcades released back in the day with Capcom in the style of Street Fighter II, Bandai in the style of Pac-Man, and Atari in the style of Tempest. Unlike previous arcade one-up releases, each of these cabinets will include 12 titles each, so showcasing some of the best retro games from each publisher. And along those lines, I ordered, uh, pre-ordered the Capcom uh, Legacy Edition. It's got so many good Capcom fighting games on it um, and some side-scrollers as well. And that comes out March 15th. Yeah, that one's going to be awesome. I think the one you picked up is fantastic. It's got the 12 games. I mean, yeah, it's got a bazillion versions of Street Fighter on there. But, right. <laughs> uh, you know, you got Strider and Final Fight. And you got some good stuff on there for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And as I mentioned, the classic X-Men Arcade, uh, when that comes available. Um, and then in the meantime, I'll have to see what comes out in the next slate of games because they can get quite pricey and expensive. Oh, yeah. They're not cheap to collect these things. They're very pricey. Like the Killer Instinct cabinet looks great. Um, I don't think the games hold up that well for the original Killer Instincts. I no. got them on Xbox Live and, ooh, you know, like... You got to go back to the Nintendo 64 era, like when those graphics were mind-blowing. But I just, I have this thing with Nintendo 64 stuff. Like, while I have fond memories of the games like Mario 64, Mario Kart, Zelda, Killer Instinct, all that stuff, they did not hold up well. Yeah, yeah, they really don't hold up all that well. <laughs> Gameplay-wise, sure. Yeah. But... The graphics are woof. And Killer Instinct trying to remember the button combinations to get those super mega combos. Combo breaker! <laughs> Monster combo! <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I, I wasted a lot of internal brain memory trying to uh, memorize those. <laughs> yeah, no. and But, you know, you go to something like X-Men where it's four-player goodness, that game is replayable. Like, it, you can beat it, but it's fun to go back. It's like the Turtles arcade games. Exactly. Like, they're just great games to go back and play. And, you know, that's kind of one that I've seen forever at Walmart. And then I'm like, maybe I'll get it, maybe I won't. And I never ended up getting it, but... And now you're probably kicking yourself at this point, at least a little bit. I, I don't know. They keep the only one I they truly made me want to jump to go get one was the Marvel versus Capcom cabinet, like that I really wanted. Yeah. The X Men one I I could get down with, you know, especially if I can uh, trick it out a smidge. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's move on from cabinets to consoles. Microsoft has announced that it is reversing its decision and will not charge Xbox Live Gold pricing. Smart. Furthermore, free-to-play games will no longer require an Xbox Live Gold membership to play on Xbox consoles. As detailed in an Xbox Wire post, this decision comes after an earlier announcement that it would be raising the prices of Xbox Live Gold, which would mean that $60 would have gotten you only six months instead of 12 months. Tony, I know you're an Xbox guy. You carry the Gold membership. Uh, I'm sure you're excited about this. Yeah. I like those odds. So they're kind of confusing. They should just make it one service. They have uh, Xbox uh, Game Pass Ultimate, which comes with gold. Okay. So it's all one hybrid thing. Or you just do the gold without the Game Pass, and the gold gets you one, you know, like three free games a month. Um, and they're not games you get to pick. Um, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're crap. Um, or sometimes they're games you already bought, and you're like, oh, dang it. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, I think uh, you don't raise the price on it, you know, not for that, because then at that point you're paying, uh, I think what they're trying to have Xbox Live Gold as was an alternative to those who didn't want to pay for the ultimate, you know, like if they're like, yeah, like Game Pass is cool and everything because I get like all these free games, but Xbox Gold, you know, gets you discounts on purchases on uh you know the xbox store so sometimes you save a little more money if you wanted to download a game to own um things of that nature so and correct pros me. and cons me personally oh no go ahead i was going to say correct me if i'm wrong but i believe you have to have xbox live gold pass in order to do online multiplayer for any of the games you buy right correct yeah yeah so you have to carry it if you want to go online and i've had xbox live gold for probably since the incarnation because it's the only way to play online and it's kind of funny because i don't go online to play much but if you want to get the most out of most of your games nowadays you have to have it um but you know at least the feature's always there i utilize mine for the free games and uh i actually have mine migrated with game pass and i think game pass is the better value um because you have like over 20 to 30 games at your disposal to download and you can play for free as long as they're up there they do cycle like a netflix like games change every month like some games go away some sit there like great example battletoads they they brought battletoads back it's made by rare microsoft owns rare so you can only get battletoads on the xbox and it's in a beat-em-up cell shaded version and it's fantastic and i didn't pay nothing because it was included with my game pass so definitely worth yeah. that alone because if you wanted to buy it as a standalone it was a 20 dollars game so. yeah and that's one of those games you would have probably purchased 
as oh, a standalone if it wasn't offered, but the fact that it was makes it that much better. Well, let's move on from uh, Xbox Game Pass over to Star Wars video games. Well, Star Wars games will now be brought together under a single banner, Lucasfilm Games. Announced on StarWars.com, the company revealed that Lucasfilm Games is now the official identity for all gaming titles from Lucasfilm, a name that encompasses the company's rich catalog of video games and its eye toward the future. It marks a similar move to Xbox Game Studios and PlayStation Studios, both of which group multiple developers under a single banner. All future games, uh, Star Wars games will see the new Lucasfilm Games banner displayed and uh, we'll put up the little sizzle reel as well. And it's nice to know that uh, EA won't be the only developer making Star Wars games. They've got sort of a spotty track record. Um, I'm looking forward to see what they come out with, what they do and how they continue the canon through uh, uh, video games under this Lucasfilm uh, banner. Hopefully they partner up with really good developers because the uh, problem with EA is once they own the rights to something or they have the exclusive licensing rights, they can churn out crap and it doesn't matter. They know if they slap uh, a, a pile of crap and throw the Star Wars logo on, Star Wars fans will buy it. Yeah, and just like they do they with Madden. They might polish that turd, but <laughs> it's a turd like AK Battlefront 2. Freaking terrible game. Yeah. The graphics are fantastic. I mean, they're dialed in. Dice, the uh, other publisher of that game, they do a great job with the looks and feel of that game. But just the way that game was executed and the, it's just not a good game. Uh, and, yeah. and it's overpriced. And then they, it's a slap in the face. I bought it when it first came out, sixty bucks, because I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm like, oh, dude, this one's gonna be cool. It's going to tie in the new films. It's going to be awesome because it was right before um, not Rise of Skywalker, but uh, The Last Jedi. That's okay. when it was last a big thing. Well, then a month later, they admitted the game wasn't all that good, and they, they ended up giving it away for dirt cheap. And it's like, dude, that's not fair to somebody that paid 60 bucks, dude. That's right. that's pretty weak. Well, and part of it was the uh, the boxes, the surprise boxes that uh, you would get. You know, you could purchase them and get better gear. And, of course, that pissed a lot of people off who were going through the gameplay and earning them and getting terrible gear uh, just because they weren't paying up to purchase uh, in-app or in-game purchases. Yeah. So it's the microtransactions. They got greedy. But where this goes, though, is with other developers, that means more people can, like, with great visions and have a, you know, they can tell a good story like the like the Force Unleashed. Fantastic, you know. Mm -hmm. I will give EA props, though. The, was it the Fallen Jedi or the... Fallen Order. Fallen Order. Okay. the That one was, it's a, it's a sweet game. Like, it's a, it's a good Star Wars game. Um even their row even the last one squadrons that's a good game too so ea's not completely crap they're they're churning out some stuff but i want to see competition it's it's what you and i discussed on uh, the phoenix show with with madden like we're we're waiting for an nfl 2k from 2k sports or something we need somebody else to come out with their vision so that lights a fire under the ass of ea to make a better game exactly because if they know like oh crap they're making that game and theirs is better what can we do to make our game better than their game and that's why competition is good you need somebody pushing you to be your best so you don't get complacent and lazy yep competition breeds innovation in all aspects of life exactly well speaking of great developers and lucasville games machine games behind the wolfenstein series and bethesda 
are partnering with Lucasville Games on a standalone Indiana Jones game to be ex executive produced by Bethesda Game Studios director Todd Howard. Bethesda tweeted to say a new Indiana Jones game with an original story is in development from our studio, Machine Games, and will be executive produced by Todd Howard in collaboration with Lucasfilm Games. It'll be some time before we have more to reveal, but we're very excited to share today's news. This came out a little while ago, and we'll share the teaser trailer. Tony, uh, too soon on an Indiana Jones game? No, I just, <laughs> I can't recall any Indiana Jones game being good other than Lego Indiana Jones. It's right. the only game that was ever a lot of fun, but all the previous games, whether it was on the Super Nintendo, the Nintendo, uh, whatever, any Indiana Jones game I've played has sucked. Yeah, yeah. Like, if I think if you want to make this game good, you're going to kind of have to borrow and what i mean borrow is look at uncharted on playstation yes. it's 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 along the lines of indiana jones because it's you know an explorer right. or and, tomb raider for that matter yeah they do those great so if you lift some of that and you can make the gameplay i like that uh bet how do you say that bethesda 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 okay so bethesda they do have a good track record now they're microsoft owned so i kind of feel like this could be a Microsoft exclusive game, which could hinder the franchise if it's not going to be accessible on a PlayStation or even the Switch. So. Yeah, that could be a bummer. Or they'll do like what they did with Marvel's Avengers and give some exclusive content to Microsoft that yeah. uh, PlayStation wouldn't be getting otherwise. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Like you said, you can play as Spider-Man in the Avengers for PlayStation, but you can't in the Xbox One because... Sony owns Spidey. So exactly. They can dictate who they want in there. Yep. And then finally, moving on to our last story, not only of the show, but also in video game news, we're talking Nintendo. We finally have our first proper look at Bowser's Fury, the expansion coming alongside Bowser's the port Fury. of Super Mario 3D World for Nintendo Switch. And it features a friendly Bowser Jr. as well as kaiju-sized versions of Bowser and Cat Mario. Revealed in a new trailer, Bowser's Fury is described as an all-new bonus adventure and features Mario working with Bowser Jr., who can seemingly paint walls to create items and attack enemies. It's not yet clear if Bowser Jr. is controllable by a second player, and we will <coughs> post that uh, uh, trailer on our Facebook page if it's not already there. But, uh, you know, Super Mario 3D World was a fantastic game, and Bowser's Fury is just sort of an expansion to that. It looks beautiful, and it looks like a lot of fun to play, uh, especially after Super Mario All-Stars is just a... I'm still working my way through those games. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. This is another Mario game on the Switch, and uh, that's awesome. I think this marks the first Nintendo system, if I'm not mistaken, that has just about every mario game it doesn't have the game boy ones not yet I anyway that, i would imagine that that's going to come at some point i mean it'd be silly not to i'm surprised they don't have them now right well and there's uh, been rumors flying that you know nintendo switch online they've got the nes they've got the snes that will see a game boy uh version there as well they need one yeah but uh mario world three uh super mario 3d world um i I got to, I have this game for the uh, Wii U. Fantastic game. It was a lot of fun to play through. It played more along the lines of the 2D Marios, just in a 3D world, than anything else. So to pick them up and play is perfection. It's, it's not like Odyssey, where it's a free open world, but you do have the option to roam outside the realm. Um, 
it's a lot of fun. I can't wait to see the new additions they add to this game, see it in a more high-def uh, mm-hmm. uh, setting. And Bowser's Fury just looks awesome. Right. I know it's short. It's not as... I, I think it's just more... They say it plays more like a, a Mario Odyssey-type game. Okay. Or like Mario Sunshine versus uh, Mario 3D World. So... It'll have a little bit different uh, gameplay mechanics, but... Uh, well, the good news is we don't have to wait long to find out because it comes out on February 12th, just nine days from today, from the day of this wow, recording. I didn't realize it was that fast. I was thinking it was the end of February. Nope, right around the corner. So, uh, that's you know. a That is a for sure purchase for me. That's a no-brainer right there. Yeah, and we'll give you guys our review as soon as we pick it up and have a chance to play it because we're looking forward to it. But uh, with that being said, you know, that closes out this episode of the Proton Pack podcast. We want to thank you guys again for hanging in there with us. Obviously, it's been a little while since our last one, but we are committed to bring you more fresh episodes with some great news. And as always, subscribe to the podcast, follow us online, go to our Facebook page, let us know what you think, engage online. We love interacting with you guys. That's all I got, Tony. Anything else you want to say to take us on out? Yeah, thanks for uh, being patient with us and uh, still supporting us. Uh, those that come up to me in my work life and everyday life and mention about the podcast, I wanted to hear more. Thank you for the support. Uh, thanks for the support of uh, the Christian Phoenix radio show and uh, everything else we do. So we appreciate it. It's always fun to do a whole dedicated geeky, nerdy podcast, you know, versus my uh, 50. 50- my 15-minute segment in the morning. So exactly. 10 minutes, whatever. Which is still fun. I try to keep it alive every day with that. But this is a lot of fun. So thanks, you guys. Happy New Year. Uh, be safe out there. And uh, go see movies if you can. Support the movie business. Exactly. See you guys later, Tony. Go ahead and play us out. Peace. Maybe. Am- That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over.